It's good to see you all. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with you about the political scene and uh, globally and how there is a rise in what is being called populism. That's where politicians, doesn't matter on which side of the political spectrum they're on, are catering or specifically bringing policy that caters to the people's popular thoughts. It may not necessarily be the right thing, but it's the popular thing. So I want to talk a little bit further, dig deep a little bit, and I'm going to show you a picture, and I'm going to ask you if you know what this is. Anybody know what this is? Kids in high school or students in high school, anybody? The coat of arms, right? It is the Canadian coat of arms. This was designed in the early 1900s, and it incorporates elements that have evolved over that period between now and then, or then and now. And specifically, uh, it involves the British, and there are elements in here that you see in here that involve the four founding people groups, the British, the Irish, the Scottish, and the French. As it evolved, these people that were involved in the foundations of Canada, the fathers of our confederation, they felt to add some wording in these two areas. And it's in Latin. Why in Latin? Well, it's the language of official things, I guess. In Europe, I guess it evolved because of the Roman Empire and its influence in the church. But the text reads these words. In the center crest, in the red, it says, Desirantes meliorum patrium. And I suspect that every one of us who are here all felt the same thing, and that's why we're here. What does that mean? It means... In the Latin, these are the words. They desired a better nation, a better country. And all of us are here in Canada, not because we are indigenous to this land. All of us are here because either we or our parents made a choice desiring a better country. Do you agree? Are you here because you're forced to be here? Are you here because Canada is one of the uh, bad nations and you want to hide away from a good country that you come from? No. You've come here because Canada is a good nation and Canada is founded on some principles that give you protection, that give you opportunity, that basically give you the opportunity to develop yourself and your family into something that you dream about. And the second text is the one in the blue ribbon at the bottom there. And it says, Amari Uska Admari, which literally translates to English from sea to sea. Now, where did these texts come from? I put the references there so you can tell. The first one comes from Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, it talks about the heroes of faith, the people that sacrificed their lives, the people that obeyed God, and believed God for better life, and they went with him 
into places that are totally unknown. Abraham was the first one. Abraham believed that God was going to take him to a different country. He told him to leave his family, his home, and everything, and he will take him to a city and a nation, and he will be the father of many nations. And he drove out, drove out. He walked out with his cattle and animals and all of the, the camels that he had because he desired a better country. Hebrews 11 re, uh, remi- reminds us of all of that. And then the second part comes from Psalm 72. And that's where the name of Canada as a dominion of Canada was established from. When the fathers of confederation, the fathers of those that established the nation of Canada, were trying to figure out what to call it. The Kingdom of Canada, the Republic of Canada, the What? So as they were praying, one of them in the morning got up in his devotion and he was reading Psalm 72. And in that Psalm, it says that he will have dominion from sea to sea. And who is he but the Lord, the son of David, the son of the God most high. He will have dominion. He will be the king over this nation. That's what we were singing earlier. And that he will have dominion from sea to sea. So they established the nation on those principles. The fathers, the founders of this nation established it on their understanding of what human rights are all about, based on their understanding of scripture. They established it based on freedoms that people would have to thrive, to grow, to be who they are meant to be without restriction. And they came together to do all of that. And this is what we now have. So consider yourself blessed to be here. I do. I consider this the greatest nation on earth. I respect other nations. I value their input and their contributions. I look at the United States, United States for example, our neighbor to the south, with the strength that they have. In a small amount of time, people from different nations came together and established a nation, and they became one of the richest, if not the richest, nation in the world. With systems, with creativity, with devices, and and all kinds of things. Most of us have been influenced by the technology that was developed through the U.S., if not in the U.S. If you have an iPhone, it says, designed in California, made in China, assembled in China, right? Right? If you have an iPad, any of the Apple products, but not just the Apple products, a lot of the stuff that we use, all of that stuff, the military might of the U.S. has established peace and it can have been abused in many situations, but leave that alone. They are a strong nation. England, another strong nation. Earlier I was talking about the sun never setting on the British Empire. Nations from across the whole world were colonized and influenced and established and moved forward in their development by the British Empire, etc. So this crest, this coat of arm, is key. And you find it sometimes if you get a parking or if you get a speeding ticket or you get a uh, traffic violation and you go to court. When you go to court, you will see it behind the judge. Why? Why do you see it in a lot of government buildings? Why do you see it all kinds of places? You don't see it on our money anymore, uh, but we see it in all kinds of places. And it's incorporated into one of the most precious documents that we have. This document is called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So we as a nation have embedded 
what we believe and what we have received from the scripture into the foundations of what gives us freedoms. We don't tie freedoms to what the population wants. We tie freedom to what God has established. We did back in the day. Today's a different story. But when we were established, we established ourselves on the foundations of the principles that God gives humanity as to how to live. So the charter is actually a, not a huge document. It's not very long. It's not pages and pages. But I want to focus on the first part of it. I want to focus on that top right or top left corner there, which says, whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God. Canada is not a Christian nation, but it's a nation that recognizes the supremacy of God. We recognize the highness of God. There are many factors within society. There's many factions within society. There's many people within society that would want us to forget that God exists and would even like to have this removed from the charter. The word supremacy of God. Changed to something different. It was changed in our national anthem. Different conversation. But the supremacy of God and the rule of law is key to what this charter is all about. Because the supremacy of God is what determines these things that we talk about fundamental freedoms. These freedoms we enjoy in Canada because of what God has done. When we celebrated communion, Rob led us in a time of prayer to recognize what Jesus has done on the cross for us. To rid of us or to rid us of sin, to rid us of disease, to rid us of the things that have been bondages for us so that we could be free. So this is where our foundation of freedom comes from. So when, when the charter talks about the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom guarantees the rights and freedoms set out on its subject, uh, uh, in, excuse me, set out in its subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law, so that we have the supremacy of God and we have the rule of law. And the rule of law is what our lawyers and our judges navigate through along with our members of parliament to come up with laws that recognize the freedoms that we have so that we can live at peace with each other. Because one of the freedoms is the freedom of expression. If my freedom of expression is so offensive, then our laws step into that and try to balance my freedom of expression and your freedom to live at peace without being bothered by my expression. And it's a balancing act. And the Old Testament law gives us tremendous under, undergirding or underpinning to help us understand how we conduct that. So the law of Moses, that God gave Moses, the law of how to live at peace with your neighbor, all of that is incorporated in our legal system coming out of these things. So corp corporate commercial law, for example, real estate law, how people conduct themselves when there's a real estate transaction, what they do and what they can't do, what the agent can say and what he or she can't say. All of those things come from the principles that are balancing freedoms and balancing rights 
based on the supremacy of God and what he has given each of us as a freedom and a right to exist. Make sense so far? So it sets it out with reasonable limits. I love that word reasonable. And you find it in a lot of legal documents because it just means everything and nothing. Right? And lawyers love that word. Reasonable effort. Reasonable expectation. Okay? So what are the fundamental freedoms? Everyone has the following fundamental freedom. One, freedom of conscience conscience and religion. You can decide in Canada if you want to worship a monkey. I'm being serious. That's your freedom. No one is going to tell you you can't. You can decide to worship yourself. You can decide to worship this microphone. You can decide to worship nothing. That is guaranteed to you in Canada. No one can tell you you have to believe a certain way or worship a certain way. No one can tell you you have to have a religion or you don't have to have a religion. You have the freedom to choose the religion you want. You have the freedom to choose the God you want or not. And that's guaranteed right here as one of the first fundamental freedoms. I'm going deep into this and I'm getting to a point, so hang with me. The second is a freedom of thought. You can believe that the earth is flat. You can believe that there's global warming or that there isn't global warming. Nobody's going to condemn you for that. Nobody's going to put you in jail for that. You can believe our prime minister is doing a great job or is doing a lousy job. You can believe that he should be in office or he shouldn't be in office. Nobody's going to put you to jail. Nobody's going to torture you for that. You have the freedom of belief or lack of belief. You have the freedom of opinion. You can think whatever opinion you can have. You can think that HST is a bad tax. You you, you could think that, no, I don't want to pay taxes. But you still have to pay taxes. You can think whatever you want. You can think I'm great. You can think I'm terrible. Nobody's going to condemn you. And you can have the expression that goes along with that. You can express yourself whatever way you want. You can have tattoos all over your body or you can have no tattoos all over your body. You can wear high, tiny bikini shirt or bikini, uh, mini skirts, or you can wear long gowns. You can wear whatever you want. You can express yourself. You can have hair with a, you know, long hair sticking up and, and sprayed and, and do, you can shave your head. You can do whatever you want. There isn't a standard that says all of us have to look the same, wear the same, feel the same, smell the same. You can use whatever deodorant you want. You can also use no deodorant. Am I getting across? Okay, have I beat it to death yet? (laughs) Including the freedom of the press and other media of communication. And this is where it gets tricky. Because there is the freedom of press and there's the freedom of media, sometimes people will use the freedom of the press to control the press. And that's where it gets bad. And we heard a lot about that with, you know, false news and all the rest of it. Not my point of conversation. Freedom of uh, peaceful assembly, what we're doing here. No one can stop us in Canada from having a prayer meeting. No one can stop us from coming together and assembling together, even in a home. You don't need a permit for more than 20 people. In some countries, you need a permit to have more than 20 people get together for a prayer meeting. We have that freedom here. It's guaranteed to us in the charter. We have the freedom of association. 
I can associate with members of the worst gangs and, and criminals in Canada unless I've committed a crime and I'm, I'm not allowed to associate with specific individuals because of my sentence or whatever. I have the freedom to associate with anybody. Good, bad, or ugly. Or beautiful. I call you people. <laughs> Some countries don't have that freedom. This guarantees us an equality and a standard because of what our founders believed about what their relationship with God was all about. Because of the foundation, the supremacy of God, that he created us all equal. Doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, you're Chinese, you're Asian, you're uh, Indian, or like brown, or whatever skin color. You could be First Nations in Canada, you could be European. It doesn't matter. You have the same right. You can be tall or short, you can be fat or skinny, you can be bald or hairy. You have the same right. You can be an atheist, or you could be the Pope. You could be a religious. You can believe in Satan and worship Satan. To that degree, we are guaranteed all those freedoms. And there isn't a ranking. We don't say that those that believe a certain way, dress a certain way, function a certain way, only can be part of the upper class of Canada. We don't even think that there should be an upper class. We think that there should be an equality between classes. But that's not always the case. Let me show you a word that maybe some of you could tell me what it means. What is this word? Sangbun. It's a Korean word. Anybody know what it means? Ingredient. Composition. The makeup of something. Right? So far so good? Sangbun. Sangbun is the foundation of North Korea's class system. Have I got your attention yet? Okay. In North Korea, I'm not talking about the South. In North Korea, there are three distinct classes in society. I'm talking about categories of people and where they fit. And as a matter of fact, everybody is classified officially. I'm not sure if it's being, you know, in your papers or not, but officially everybody has a ranking. And there are three levels and three distinct classes. The loyal or the core class, they are the ones that will do anything to stand with the leader. And the leader, the Kim family, currently it's Kim Jong-un. I think he's the third or fourth generation now, I don't remember exactly. Third, he is believed to be God. And he is to be worshipped as God. And no one else. No other God. So when he walks down the street, people worship him as God walking down the street. So if you're loyal to that, you're part of the core. If you're loyal to that, you're part of the core. The second is the wavering. That's what it's called. The wavering. Those that are one day this way, one day that way. One day they're loyal, one day they're questioning. One day they're loyal, one day they're thinking this is crazy. 
who's, who's this guy? He's insane. Who's this guy? He's great. Look at him. He's doing amazing. Oh, my God. He's insane. Back and forth. And then the hostile, the ones that are opposed to the regime. And you fit in one of these three categories. And these determine what kind of job you get, what kind of education, what kind of school you can go to or your children can go to. And you inherit this class depending on where your parents fit at the time of the, uh, the, the uh, regime change. At the time that the Kim family came into power, depending on how your family reacted to them. And part of this has been inherited by Confucianism. But most of it has been developed by the Kim family and those that are surrounding it. So how much of each category? There's about a quarter of the population that is the core or the loyal ones. There is about half that are the wavering. That's the bulk of the population. And there's another quarter approximately, but some would say it's as high as 40%, the ones that are classified as hostile. And if you're hostile, your arrest, your torture, your limitation from food, even during the famine, people were, were starving to death. People were put in concentration camps. Today, it's believed that there's many that are being tortured to this day because of their thinking being different. You know the things that we have as freedoms? The right for opinion, the right for belief, the right for expression. None of that exists in North Korea. It doesn't stop at North Korea. I could be talking about Iran. I could be talking about a lot of the Arab nations. I could be talking about a lot of the African nations. We're living in a different world here. And because we're living in a different world, we get numb to the realities that are surrounding us. So I want to introduce you to some one person. This young lady, we had the opportunity to meet her. And she was classified as being part of the hostile class. So if you look at opportunity, in Canada we believe because of our equality, our children and we ourselves have access to opportunity like everybody else. You can get hired by whatever company, you can work for the government, you cannot. All of that is available to us. But in, whoops, in North Korea, if you're part of the wavering, only a small percentage of you is exposed to only a small percentage of the opportunities in the country. If you're in the hostile category, even less. You have very little opportunity to do anything. But the core class rules. So I want to introduce you to Ji Hyun. Ji Hyun is a young lady that we met when we were in uh, Jeju Island. She was a North Korean defector. And uh, we got to know her over time. I've met her a number of other times since then. Ara and Salpi were there uh, with Silva and I when we were there uh, was it 2018? March, I think it was. And we met, and we got to know her through her testimony, and we got to hear her when the leader of the, this, or the, the province was speaking about the Trump-Kim summit that was going to take place, and he had presented his island, Jeju Island, as a potential site for that meeting. And he called the leader the supreme leader, Kim Jong-un. And those words caused something to wake up in her, and she started to scream. He's not a supreme leader. He's a criminal. He's a rapist. He's a thief. He's a murderer. And everybody else, the South Koreans that were there, didn't know how to react to her. 
Some of them said that this is Satan speaking, shut her up, shut her up. Some of the Canadians that were there immediately surrounded her and led her outside and spent some time praying with her. The next day she came back and her and a bunch of other North Korean leaders, about 30, sat together with some Germans and the Germans started to talk to them because the Germans had gone through the splitting of their nation, north and so- or east and west, similar to Korea's north and south. So the Germans sat there and started to, to lead her and lead the others into a place of healing to the point that they could sit with the north, South Korean leaders. Because you don't understand. I didn't understand. North Koreans in South Korea are not trusted in the church. They won't let a North Korean come in into the meeting because they're afraid that there are spies from north trying to find others that are in the, you know, the families are in the north, they're in the south, and they're trying to stir trouble. Similar to some of you who become Christians in Iran from an Iranian background and you attend one of the Christian churches in Iran. You couldn't go into the meeting unless you presented credentials that you're not part of the secret police. They would have guards at the door. In some cases in the Middle East today, Muslims that become Christians, it's very difficult for them to get accepted into the church because of the distrust. They don't know if they're going to come and cause trouble. Because are they genuine? Are they real? Are, is it a real conversion? So Jihyun has a story. I want you to hear the story.
북중 접경 지역에 중국에 있는 그 조선족 교회들의 쌀과 돈을 갖다 놨었어요. 그래서 엄마도 이제 중국의 조선족 교회 갔다가 쌀을 이제 한 배낭 가지고 오는데 그때 이제 성경책을 자그마한 성경책을 한 5cm, 8cm 그 세로 5cm에서 8cm 가로 5cm 되는 그런 성경책을 살 빼는 게 가지고 왔었어요. 그때 저는 그 성경책을 처음 접했고 그때 이제 하나님을 알게 됐죠. 그리고 저는 성경책을 공교롭게도 이제 북한 보위부에서 그 보위부에 뺏기게 됩니다. 사실 이제 북한 보위부에서 처음에 오라고 좀, 좀 물어볼 게 있다고 해서 갔는데 이제 가자마자 이제 다섯 시간 동안 고민을 했죠. 제일 중요한 것은 지금 현재 하나님의 백성들인 북한 주민들이 지금 어 신앙의 자유를 빼앗겼고 또 신앙의 자유뿐만 아니라 표현의 자유 그리고 정말 여행의 자유 정말 아파할 자유마저도 빼앗겼죠. 그래서 이 해의 중요성이 정말 그 제가 대신 이번에 북한 주민들을 대신하여 이렇게 혼자 나왔지만 어, 정말 저의 목소리를 통해서 또 이렇게 저의 그 목소리를 들어주는 어, 그 미국의 자세를 통해서 북한 주민들이 그 자유가 해결되는 굉장히 중요한 방법이라고 생각을 합니다. That something was going on, and the Lord was working through it. She's had a lot of healing in her heart. The reason that a person can continue under those kinds of pressures is because their experience of salvation is real. You and I live in an environment, in an environment that has. On paper, a lot of freedom for us. We step away from being engaged in the political conversation because we just don't have time with it. Politics is dirty. We're Christians. We're clean. We'll stay away from that. Let the politicians deal with it. They lie. They cheat. They make deals. But I tell you, this nation was established by believers who understood what they have. In the salvation that they've received, they've come from an oppressive society in Europe because they couldn't practice their faith according to their conscience, and they established North American nations, the U.S. and Canada, under that understanding. 150 
200 years later, the same enemy of the church that put it in oppression in Europe, the same enemy of the church, actually it's the enemy of Christ, the same enemy is at work all across the globe. Just because we have a nation that has principles and foundations that are solid doesn't mean he will just let us be. So I want us to to start thinking on two channels. One channel is how we live. And the other channel is how we ensure that freedoms are maintained. For some of us, it means engaged, becoming engaged in the political scene. Supporting candidates, lobbying, getting engaged with our politicians, maybe even running for office. Some of you here have governmental anointings. Some of you are meant to get involved in government. Ah, who am I? Our current prime minister was a drama teacher in high school. Yeah, he had a big name and a family that was behind it all and all the rest of that. But he had a desire to be engaged and he put himself forward. He was pushed forward and he himself put himself forward and he's now prime minister of Canada. It doesn't mean anything what your background is. If God has called you, you could have been the Joseph that was in jail because he was a dreamer and his brother sold him as a slave. And God will elevate you to the place that you are supposed to be. You could have been that Jewish little boy that was born in Egypt when the Pharaoh said that kill all the boys. And your mother put you in a basket and you became a prince in Egypt. But the plans of God were for bigger things than that. And you became, he became the deliverer of the whole nation. It doesn't matter what your background is. It matters what God has in store for you. So your personal walk, and this is what I'm trying to get at today, and I'm going to continue this next Sunday. Your personal walk, because of the freedoms that we have and the relaxed atmosphere that we live in, our faith, I'm going to challenge you to think about this for this week. How would I live my faith different if I was under that kind of persecution? Okay? Think about that. For some of you who are from Iran, you have friends and relatives in Iran that have to practice their faith under similar similar situations, but your situation here is very different. How do you deal with sin? How do you deal with temptation? How do you deal with the desires? How do you deal with obedience to the word of God? How do you handle your freedom? So my question, I told you two channels. Number one is me, myself, how I live. And the second is becoming engaged to make sure we maintain the freedoms that we have. So the question I have for the first one, have my freedoms become my new slave master? Let me repeat that. Have my freedoms become my new slave master? You want to write that down? Write it down. Think about it throughout the week. We have a web page 
cityriver.com. If you go there, at the top, there's a bunch of different menu items. On your phone, you have to click that little three lines, and it will pull down a menu. One of them is testimony. If you have a testimony about this, we'd love to hear it. Go to the website, click on testimony, fill out the form, submit it. It will come to Rob and myself. We will read through it, and we may actually use it, part of our sermon, or have you come up and share it. You may want to have your name on it or not. So go on the website and do that. But think about and pray about this question. Have my freedoms become my slave master? Have I become a slave to my freedoms, in other words? Do I do things that I would not normally do if the pressure was more? Would I live a holier life? Would I live a cleaner life? Would I live a purer life? Would I obey God more? Would I trust him with my everything more? Would I trust him with my finances? Would I tithe more consistently? Would I show up to church more consistently? Would I pray more consistently? Would I eat up the word more consistently? The smallest Bible that I have at home is a Bible that I've had since I was in university 30-something years ago. Small Bible, right? I can stick it in my pocket. It's smaller than a little phone, right? The Bible that she was talking about that she got, that her mother got, was this size. The whole Bible. And they ate it up until it was confiscated from them. We have Bibles coming out of our ears. I looked the other day in our dining room. We have a little shelf. I have seven Bibles sitting there collecting dust because I don't use paper Bibles anymore. This Bible, I told you for 35 years maybe, it's stiff. I can't even bend the cover anymore. It's leather because I don't use this one anymore. I use the one on my phone. Do you use your phone Bible? slave masters. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be in a nation, either through our choice or through our parents' choice, but ultimately through your guidance, to be in a nation that has so much to offer us. So, Father, today we remember all those in other contexts that don't have the freedoms that we enjoy so, so readily. We pray, Lord, that you shake us up, that our freedoms would not become our slave masters. That we would learn to walk tighter with you. That we would experience you deeper. That our freedoms would be the opportunity for us to have a deeper walk with you. That we would experience you more. That we would become instruments in your hands to allow others to experience you more. Father, we come to you as a church. Earlier today, we made the declarations of the Apostle Creed, the things that we believe. Lord, it's not our desire to simply stand up and just say some words into the air. For Ji-Yoon and others like her in different contexts, those words have become life. They have experienced you as God, the Father, the Creator, the Son, the Savior, the Spirit, the Sustainer. They believe in the eternal life. 
It's not just a theory for them, but they would give their lives for it because they've experienced you. So, Father, as we recite this creed together, moving forward, make it a reality that goes deep into our being. Allow us, give us the opportunities. Don't give up on us when we become callous and and distant. When we scurry off into different directions, doing the things of freedom, bring us back. Don't leave us there. So, Father, if any of us today are wandering farther away than we should, trying to figure out how far can I go before I'm too far. Change our mind. And instead, let us ask the question, how close to the fire can I get without getting burnt? The fire being you. Take us deeper, Lord. I thank you and I bless you. And I pray that you have a wonderful week, that you would be blessed, that as you think about these things, thoughts would percolate and testimonies would come out and that we would all rejoice together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.